Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this beautiful Thursday afternoon. It really is a gorgeous day, I have to say. We're down to the greenhouse earlier on because, you see, even though it's wintertime still and it's cold most days and dark, when you get a day like that, you really do have to open up the ventilation and let the air in because you'd be surprised at the heat that the uh, glass attracts. But it was lovely just to feel that little warmth in the greenhouse today as I opened the windows. And, you know, it won't be long now. The growth will start again. The days are getting longer and you'd have to be positive with the year turning and uh, we're coming into the middle of January half the month gone tomorrow I was just reflecting on that earlier on today but there you have it a lovely lovely day out there today hope you got out for a walk Stay with us now, wherever you are, even if you're out walking, make sure you have that LMFM app with you. You can listen to us on your smartphone as you go along, no matter where you are. But if you're out and about or you're indoors today, welcome to Late Lunch Show this afternoon. We have some fascinating people to talk to over the next couple of hours or so. And again, give you the numbers if you want to get in touch with us on the show. 86 658 is the text or WhatsApp number, or you can call in on 1857 Before I, we meet our first guest today, Remember earlier in the week, uh, we talked to Anna McHugh from On Post, and uh, we got a flood of messages from you uh, subsequent to the conversation telling us about parcels and letters and packages that you were still waiting on or that had been posted and hadn't arrived. Well, it rattles on still because I got a message late on in the show yesterday from a listener, and I, I meant to read it to you, but I will today. And it said, Jerry, going back to your postage issue earlier in the week, I received a Christmas card today, that was yesterday, the 13th of January, and the postmark on it was posted in Kells on the 19th of December, and it's arrived in Beliver. <laughs> they could have walked with the card and delivered it in a couple of hours. Isn't that unbelievable? 19th of December, arrived in Beliver, posted Kells, arrived in Beliver yesterday. Incredible. Any more stories and letters or postage, do let us know. We love to hear from you. But we begin today, and I want to say this, I've... I'll be honest with you, put my cards on the table. The last year, and it will be a year shortly in March, it has been tough. And and I found it tough as well. But I've 
been lucky also to have my health, uh, to have my home and have food on the table and have family with me from time to time when allowed with the restrictions. Got to play a little golf during the year, went fishing from time to time, restricted on that uh, front as well. But still, overall, I was able to make the best of the times when uh, there was a, a slackness in the restrictions. But imagine being in your home since last March and not darkening the door. I mean, going outside at all. Well, my first guest has been living in his home since last March and hasn't been out. I want to say a big hello this afternoon. You know him well. He's uh, in the Mead area. He's chairperson of Gail Column Kill in Kells. Michael Connell's on the line. Hello, Michael. How are you? <laughs> yeah, but uh, not in a, in a good way. I, well, I didn't since last March. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm in all right since last March here. I'm, I'm not able to get out unless I go out in the car. But uh, I have no great interest in going out in the car. I'm not, I don't feel safe because I'm in a wheelchair if I'm being brought out or wherever I go. And I'm always afraid that maybe someone will come up and forget that they're close to me and I can't get away, you know. Yeah. Your fear is a little bit, uh, you're, you're a bit afraid all the time that anything mm. like that could happen. But I'm happy enough at home. I'm, I'm doing okay. It's a long time. It's 11th of March since I was out. And uh, it, I, I, you get kind of adjusted. I, well, I've adjusted to all the things that happen to me over my life. I think it just happens and you just go along with it. But mm. there's, there's better times coming. There's def- definitely a lot of people worrying and I, I can understand an awful lot. Of, it must be very tough, it's particularly for the ones that's fit and well. That's, they're, they're getting it very tough to be careful and mind what they're doing. And the only thing that's safe in the, at the present time is staying away from people and being careful and staying at home if you can. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true, Michael. It is. And, and you know, I, I want to say this to you. I remember I met you in studio when you came in with those lovely TY students uh, to talk about the project yeah. Never Home Alone. Now, I know you're not home alone because your grandson is your carer. Yeah, yeah. And I have my daughters. My daughters, now, you know, they're, they're, they're looking at one of them now and she's so careful to mind herself. Uh, she's the one that has to come closest to me. She, mm. she's the one that polishes me up and stuff like that. Jeez, <laughs> 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 that's a great saying, Mick. <laughs> polishes me up. I'll remember that one for a while. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. And uh, you know the the, the three of, uh, three of them, and they're uh, only for them. I wouldn't have the comfort I have. You know, I, yeah. if I was to. Be like nobody here at all. I wouldn't be here either. And if mm. I was away, I don't think I, I'd be alive at all if I hadn't got them. That's the way I feel about it. Because they're so but, important and they're so attentive and they make mm. sure I, I have what I need. And it's great to be that way. And I haven't, even though I'm tied to the chair, I've still, my health is all right. You know, I'm. Yeah. I'm not sick and my meals I can eat all right and I've no pains. It's a big thing considering the situation I'm in. But um 
it's a, it's a, it's a far in front of a lot of poor people. I know there's a whole lot of people with trouble. Mm. And uh, and you talked about the, the the bit about the schools. That was one of my best parts of my life, uh, being in there in the schools and talking to the younger people. It it, it was a it was a wonderful time because I was yeah. getting on with the man. I could talk away about myself and the way life was, and they were so attentive and listening to everything you were saying. And I I was surprised they were so attentive, and they, and they were brilliant. And uh, I was looking forward to it so much to continue. And this, I got, we got stuck then with the COVID and we didn't get any place. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the same for everyone. And, and uh, But the thing is, it is going to get better. There's no doubt yeah. about that. The yeah. way the way that it's going now at the minute, uh, it looks desperate. But it's, it's desperate, but I don't think it, it'll ever be as desperate again because people will get a lesson on this flare-up that they won't want it ever to happen again. And I That's don't so think true. Let it, I don't think they'll let it. It's each, it's each of us that has to make sure we don't let it happen again. There's no other way. We can get the governments, all the politicians and uh, the doctors, all they can do is tell us to what to do to mind ourselves and they're putting in different rules and it, it looks like sometimes that people just say, oh we're free again uh, let us let us go and uh, it, it's not the case you're only free to be yourself you're only safe if you mind yourself mm. that's the time you're only safe if, 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 I, I was on the farm and for years, that's the way I was reared on a farm, small farm. And if you let cattle out after the winter into a field, they'll run all over the field. <laughs> they will. And I, <laughs> I got the impression that it looked the same as far as the humans are concerned. <laughs> that if, yes. say, if you say let them loose, they're gone and they think they're safe, but they're not. Yeah. Unless it's gone out of the place altogether. And That's I a think. great analogy that you make there because I've seen that. I, I had the privilege as a young fella to work on a local farm and I saw that when they got out after the winter when they were confined and fed indoors. They went buck and mad and it's a great oh, analogy yeah. to make because that's what's happened and that's why we're back to square one. But you know what I want to say this to you, Michael? You have a great attitude for somebody who just sees the four walls. I know you have your grandson and your daughters are taking care of you as well, but not to be out at all. Besides, like, you know, having that your mind right what keeps yeah. you going are you, are you a reader of books do you watch television do you listen yeah. to radio what do you do I'm not a reader of books I was I, I, I look at the television alright and I, I, I love what a lot of people I think like is the black and white westerns and uh, I love all the, I love the snooker and the football well the getting up the Gaelic is me game but uh, I don't watch the football, but the snooker and the the snooker and the, the golf. I watch those. I yeah. had the pleasure of playing golf for a number of years, badly, but I, I still filled the cabinet at last. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how I done it. Everything I done in my life was done. Uh, with, I could never make sense of how it was successful a lot of the time. 
uh, I had failures as well, but uh, you know, I enjoyed my life. That's the one thing, and I have a, that has a lot of memories. It's all memories. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and and good memories that you can dip into at times that you know you can think about and reflect on them and and be happy and, and be proud as well. Look, um, you're very positive, and I, I'll tell you what. Listening to you today, you could well be an ambassador <laughs> in convincing people to do what they should do. I honestly say that to you, Michael. You could indeed. What about just um, another one? The Gail Columkill, of course, your chairman there. You mentioned the school, and you miss the young people. They miss you too, and I know this. I've been hearing this back. Honestly, they miss you too. But what about the the GAA, the, the club? You know, at the heart of the community, it's been tough for clubs, hasn't it? Uh, it is, and and. You know, we've had some meetings online and uh, as the executive, and we, 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 you know, things, you can feel the tension a bit in people. You can feel they're not as happy as they were and uh, it's a bit of a strain on them. I find that, and I would prefer now that... You know, that we didn't have meetings at all until this thing is over, that we can go Mm. and feel the future. And we can't feel the future yet. And we can't Mm. see what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. And and, uh, nobody, nobody, even though they'd be maybe determined to do a certain amount, they don't really get into it and get doing anything. And uh, it's, 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 um, it's a kind of a, a really closed down. It's a kind of a close, a really lockdown now situation. Yes. And I, I, I don't feel that there's any safety in being involved in football. And it's an awful thing to say, but in, in, for anybody at the minute. And to, to try to do things that they can't really get away with. And yeah. the best thing we could do is cure the whole lot now and get away from it all and get back to normal. And we can't get back to normal if we only go halfway there and start it all up again. Ah, you, know, uh, you you have the right attitude. You really have. I wish we could just get a uh, little doses of what you have and spread it all around the place with the vaccine as well, Michael. And I'll tell you, we'd be doubly right uh, if we could do that. Just a quick one, because Dean Kearns is on the line. I want to bring him into the conversation. Me, crime prevention officer. Will you take the? I think you'll take the vaccine when it's available, and you're going to get it. Oh, I will. I will uh, because uh, it's an it's uh, what else have we only to do it? We have to do it, and uh, yeah. and it's because it's going to be the cure of everything. We'll all be we'll, it'll be making us safe. Sure, every other vaccine that came out, it made people safe, and 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 uh, even when you go back to TV, that was one of the things. You now the vaccine cured, and that was a, a horrible disease and. I've heard of a few people, and I remember the time when it was uh, when it was there. A few people that was in P Mountain, uh, they were in it for months with sickness. But you don't hear that now at all so much. It's 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 very rare. The vaccine is the way to go. Dean Cairns is Mead Crime Prevention Officer and he's on the line. Afternoon, Dean. You guys are out and about on the ground and you wanted to just talk to us today in the context of people like Mick. And he has, of course, a care. He has his children around him as well. But there are a lot of people, Dean, who don't. Yeah, look, it's tough on a lot of people like Mick there, you know. But to be fair, I suppose that there's a great network of communities out there from GA to urban community groups. That over the last nine months have done tremendous work, as you know, like you've heard many stories there about the brilliant work that they're doing. 
to try and help people such as Michael or anybody that may be feeling a little bit lonely or, or vulnerable, you know. And along with the Meath County Council and the PPN Network, we set up, as you know, a mapping system there where we have community groups right throughout the county. And I suppose there's a great support network there for anybody who does uh, require any sort of assistance. And there is a, there's a free phone COVID response number for County Mead that if anybody does need any sort of help, you know, we will get we'll get somebody to con- call out to them there in, in as soon as we possibly can to make sure that they're not left alone, that they're not stuck for whether it's a, a delivery from the pharmacies or the local shop or whatever it is me, or even just to do any sort of a collection. It's just the network of communities there has been just tremendous over the last number of months. So you want to get that message out there. And, and there's a similar network, I know, in County Loud as well, of organisations who are coming together to ensure that nobody is isolated or feels alone and can get the help that they require. Just in a general sense, Dean, with more people being at home from a, a crime point of view, it, it, is there a drop in crime because people are in their houses more? I suppose there'll be a drop in, in the likes of burglaries. You know, the likes of those will be down but then there's other types of crimes that would probably increase then. You know, you'll have more calls in relation to domestic violence. That would be something that we'd be keeping an eye on. Uh, simple thefts, online uh, thefts, like the likes of those crimes where you would likely see an increase in. Uh, but I, I suppose for the big one that most of us are, are generally concerned about is someone breaking into our house. There's still a few of those, so we can't mm. get too complacent when it comes to our home safety and security. But the likes of burglaries certainly are down, there's no doubt about that. But that's there's a number of factors from that. But then, as you say, there's other crimes there that, uh, that are on the crease. And people obviously have to be careful and conscious of them too, you know. Yeah, so the swings and roundabouts, some up, some down. But uh, still, people need to be vigilant and careful and uh, put their alarms on and secure the homes and everything. We just want to say that uh, as well today. For, for yourself, Dean, and, and your colleagues in the force, it's uh, unprecedented times, even for Garda Siakana. Oh, I don't think we've ever experienced anything like this before. Like, it's certainly good down as the history books as probably one of the most challenging times for, for many, many young guards, you know, trying to deal with, with COVID, trying to deal with people who are in contact with it, trying to look after the elderly, the vulnerable, deal with their own family lives. You know, there's a huge amount of things that they're dealing with there day in, day out. And I suppose we, we would like to think that we'll all learn and be out stronger for it as a result of dealing with it. Uh, but it certainly has been a challenge. But something, look, we've all... We've all put our shoulder to it and got stuck in. You know, we've 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 got the support there of the business throughout the county, the, the local schools. You know, they did a tremendous work in getting Christmas cards there for the elderly there, right across the county. And that was a massive success there for for old people getting mm-hmm. Christmas cards there just from a complete stranger. And some of the, the the little notes on it from young children were absolutely brilliant to see. You know, now also yeah. then you know like from the guards itself. I mean, it's tough. It is tough. There's no doubt about that. It's challenging. But look, at we're coming through it. Uh, it's hard. We're not out of it yet. We still have another couple of months. And the message there, you know, we just need to get, as you know, there, stay at home and stay safe. You know, that's what we, unless you have to grow, that's, we can't emphasize the importance of it now. We don't have the vaccine just yet. You know, it'll still be a couple of months, but uh, we're working hard to try and keep everybody safe. Yeah, that number, do you have that number to give out you mentioned there? We can get it anyway if you don't have it. No, I do have it here. It's a free phone, Jerry. the cover response yeah. number. It's 1800 809. Lovely. And that's Monday to Sunday from 9 to 5. So, but alternatively, Jerry, without that number, they have community guards around the county, they have my mobile number there. 
Like anybody can get in contact, so they shouldn't be stuck. There should be nobody that should feel lonely or vulnerable. There's, there's lots of ways you can get in contact with ourselves through the Meet Crime Prevention Facebook page, or even if they put a call into yourselves there, you know, that you can relay that straight away to us. So don't, don't, don't be stuck for numbers. There's lots of uh, ways it means to get in contact with us, and we will certainly help them straight away. Well, we've been talking to a great ambassador, as you've been listening there earlier on, on, on everything you're saying there, uh, Michael Connell, and he's still listening in there as we speak. Just before we finish, Michael, I know I, I didn't tell listeners you are confined to your wheelchair at this stage and you need a hoist to help you as well. And you have all that help uh, around the house. But listening to Dean and, and hearing what's around you, you feel reassurance from that, Michael? Oh, yes. Well, of course, uh, it, it's, a, it's great to know that you have the the Gardaí on, on board, that you, if you're in trouble, they're there for you, and, and that's important. And anybody else that's there, that's, that there is great stuff going on. It's the club as well, they're doing great stuff uh, as individuals and even as a group uh, with helping people. They, mm. I know that, that that's happening. And there's another thing you mentioned earlier at the start that about Christmas cards. I actually got one this morning from America, <laughs> from America, and it's dated, it's dated the fourth of December. There you go. You see this? This is all over the place. And I have more messages here lined up to tell me about packages and parcels and letters that have only arrived as well. Well, at least you got it the 4th of December and you have it. And you you have it anyway in the first month of the new year. But it just shows you the impact that this has had on so many things across the world. Look, Michael, I have to leave it there today. I wish you well again. And please, God, you will get across that doorstep in the coming uh weeks and months as the spring comes in and you'll be out and about again and then TY students especially and your football club and everyone will benefit from that well of knowledge from your lifetime. I wish you well, Michael. Thanks very much. And thank you. you. Thank you very thanks much. Thanks very much indeed. And Dean Cairns, thank you so much again for joining us on the show today. Do appreciate it, Dean. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks a million. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Dean Cairns there. And that number for me again, if you need help, is 1-800-809. Sorry, 1-800-808-809. More about your post after news and weather or two. But taking us there, it's a classic. It's uh, Shania Twain. And yes, you'll remember this one, won't you? Still the one. I love to hear from you on Late Lunch. And thank you so much for all your messages. Uh, Let's have a listen to some of them. Glad to join you once again on the Late Lunch, Jerry. I'm out for my lunchtime walk, but I have you in my ears. Yes, make sure you have the app on your smartphone and you can take us with you, as I said earlier on, wherever you go. Continuing the message. And we'll have you on the smart speaker when I get back to the home office. Well done to you. But in all fairness, look at that weather. Isn't it fabulous? There's positivity among Amongst the negativity, Jerry. It's all about perspective, isn't it? Keep our country and stay positive. And that comes in from another Jerry this afternoon. Lovely to hear from you. It really is great and glad you're out enjoying the lovely weather. Pauline's been on to me from Dundalk. Uh, what a man Mick is. Yes, we were talking to Michael Connell at the top of the show. Jerry, honestly, every word he said was so true, especially that we must look after each other at this time by keeping apart. Thank you, Pauline. Lovely to hear from you. Um, another one about a Christmas card arriving late, Jerry. Card arrived in Manalvi yesterday, a Christmas card, and it was posted from Castle Knock in Dublin on the 11th of December. 
oh God, we're going to have to get a league table going on this to see which card or package is the longest out there in that land where it drifts about until it's delivered. <laughs> Another one. Uh, Jerry, I was on to you earlier in the week. I told you the story about my parcel I sent to Australia, posted it on the 29th of November to Australia, still hadn't arrived. Eureka, Jerry! it arrived today. We've just heard and they're ecstatic in Oz because the Lions tea bags are in there for everybody. Oh, the old taste of home. You can't beat it, folks. That is for sure. Thanks. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, my next guest has spoken to us on a number of occasions on Late Lunch. Let me tell you, he's so talented. Listen to this. Best-selling author, teacher, musician, child protection worker, husband, dad, granddad. Is there no end to to his multiplicity and he's on the line as his latest audio crime book called No Ceremony for the Dead is released. Shane Dunphy, afternoon. How are you, Jerry? Thanks for having me. I'm good. How is yourself? Well, listen, this is the third book I want to tell listeners in a fabulous series called Stories from the Margins. You're narrating these yourself. Yeah, my we, we wanted to, as you know, I'd written nine books about my experiences working in child protection at sort of various different levels of the industry. And I had taken a break to do some fiction writing, which, which you and I have talked about at length before as well. And I wanted to get back. There was a huge hunger out there for me to do more nonfiction, more true stories based on my time working with various different people going through different types of trauma. So when we sat down to look at how we were going to do that, my agent had the idea of doing an Audible-only series. So this, you know, people these days consume a huge amount of audiobooks, particularly on commutes to work or when they're out walking the dogs, or even I get people telling me that they listen while they're doing, you know, hoovering the house or ironing yeah. or cooking or whatever. So we kind of said, look, we'll give this a go and see how it goes down. So I'd, I had some experience of working on radios. You know, I, I had a, a show not dissimilar to this one on Southeast Radio in Wexford for a couple of years. I, I've done some work on News Talk. Um, I've also done um, some documentaries for RTE Radio 1 for the Doc on 1. So they asked me what I'd be interested in giving it a go. Now, to be honest with you, it was kind of terrifying because I went over to visit the Audible Studios in London. And while I was in there, it was during the time that, you know, the, the, the series on, on Netflix, The Crown, you know, that yes. series. Um, yes, quite a number of the actors from that were in recording a version of one of Dickens' novels. So I was sitting having my lunch and there was these people sitting across the table from me who I'd been watching on TV the day before. And I thought, I'm a complete uh, fraud doing this. I, I, I'm not an actor. I'm never going to be able to do it. <laughs> But they insisted that I try, and the first book was done, and it did quite well, and um, it kind of went on from there, and I've actually gotten to quite enjoy it now. I, I quite like the experience of going into the studio, and when you read a book aloud, it's sort of like you're discovering it again in a new way yourself. And yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten to be something that I quite enjoy. I do the music for them as well. Um, I, I compose and perform um, instrumental music and songs as part of the package. Just to, I, I wanted to create a world within these books. I wanted the reader to very much feel that they were kind of stepping through a doorway into something new and into something different. And creating, building the atmosphere was a very big part of that. So it, it's been very satisfying. I've really enjoyed doing it. This is, is the end of kind of a, a trilogy, if you like. And we're hoping that there's going to be more. We're talking to, to Audible about doing a, a, another batch of them. So I'm hoping we'll have another three 
coming up maybe in 2021 into 2022. I'm sure you will because they've been received so well. And I just, uh, two words were in my mind thinking of you reading them with feeling because you've written them and here you are delivering them. Not saying that uh, people who read books uh, and it is their their job, they do a brilliant job, but to read your own, as you say, there is special. This one is about St. Patrick's Residential Home, Charlie, an employee there and a cry for help. Yeah, it's I, I, each of the, the books in the series looks at, the, I talk about the margins, you know, the, the, it's called Stories from the Margins. These are parts of the world around us that we don't normally see. So the, the first book in the series was called Bleak Alley and it was about kids in, in gangs. Uh, and, and you and I talked about that and about yeah. some of the terrible things that were going on in Ireland at the time. The second book, which is called The Bad Place, was about child trafficking. And this one is about, it's effectively about institutional abuse. So obviously St. Patrick's is, is, is I've, changed, I've changed the name of, of where these things actually happened. But Charlie is a young man who's um, living with a disability. And he approaches me at an event I'm doing one day to tell me that he has been living and working in St. Patrick's Unit and that there are some bad things going on there that um, a very good friend of his, he feels is being very badly treated and an old girlfriend of his, a, a young woman with special needs called Maisie, um, has disappeared. He doesn't know what's happened to her or where she's gone, but he reports that she was again being very badly treated before she vanished. And he asks me for help and he names a member of staff who he believes is involved in this. And at the start of the book, I'm very unsure of whether I should get involved in this or not. And I kind of go through the normal routine of referring it on to the correct authorities, but nothing seems to be being done and um, I decide that I'll go in and have a look myself. And so I, I go in ostensibly um, saying that I'm doing some research on, um, you know, this area of the care system. And when I get in there, I discover that things really aren't right. But it's one of those situations where it's very difficult to kind of put your finger on it. This particular member of staff seems to, on the surface to be OK. But there's just something about the tone that he uses when he's talking to the, the people with special needs. And gradually, I start to feel that maybe... Um, the things that Charlie are telling me, that there may well be some truth to what's going on. And I won't say much more than that. uh, Yes, no, no, don't give it away. Don't give it away. But I will say that as I dig into it, I discover that there are some rather sinister uh, groups from the alt-right who are kind of circling what's going on. And um, in, in the book as well, I look at the history of the treatment of people with special needs in Ireland, which isn't all that great, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I tell stories of um, changelings and I tell stories of the burning of Bridget Cleary back at the end of the 19th century. And there's all sorts of those other kind of myths and, and mythologies and, you know, crimes from antiquity that we, we explore as part of the book as well. So I'm very proud of it. Ah, you should be. Now, for our listeners today, how can they tap into stories from the margins, all three of them? What's the easiest way to get hold of your audiobooks? Um, If you go online, um, you can do that on your phone or you can do it on a laptop. And um, audible.co.uk would be the site that you'd need to, that we'd need to go to in Ireland. And you can download them all there. If you've never uh, used Audible before, you can get free membership for a month. And if you don't like it, you don't have to pay any money. Um, So you, you can dip into them that way either. Terrific. Audible.co.uk. I know yesterday isn't lost on you. The timing of this and what you're dealing with and the report yesterday. And I've been looking at you, been commenting on it on your social media mm-hmm. uh, feed there in the last 24 hours or so. Have, have you thought or, uh, you know, what have you 
been thinking since the report issued? Well, um, I, I'm, I'm sure your your listeners are aware of some of them anyway. That I, I have my own history with the, um, yes. the the Roman Catholic Church. I'm a survivor of clerical abuse myself, which I've only started talking about recently. Um, lockdown kind of caused me to take a long, hard look at myself and how how I've responded to these kinds of things. Um, the mother and baby homes is a is part of that that whole cycle of institutional abuse, which is a part really of, of the history of social care in Ireland and child protection in Ireland, but is also part of our own identity as a nation. And it, it's something that I think we all need to think about, you know, what part did Irish society play in this? Um, I, I welcome the apologies that we've had from church leaders and I welcome the apologies that we've had from, from the Taoiseach and from the, the Minister for Children. What I will say is, though, that words are not enough. I, I think that there are three things that need to happen going forward. And I know everybody is not going to agree with me on this, but this is my feeling and I'm going to put it out there for what it's worth. Number one, I believe there must be prosecution. Uh, we are aware that terrible crimes have been committed uh, in, in the name of, of, of our, our, our faith and in, in, in the name of our society. And I do believe that, that somebody needs to atone for that. So obviously, many of the people who ran these institutions have passed away, but some mm. haven't. And if you think about the prosecution of something like war crimes, was age ever a defence in relation to that? So I think that we need to take a long, hard look at that. And I think also anybody who had information on, on, on literally where bodies were buried or information on some of the crimes that were committed and kept that to themselves. I'm not saying that necessarily all of these prosecutions need to result in jail time, but I do think people need to be to be forced to atone for what happened. So that's number one. I believe prosecutions must occur. Number two, I think that financial recompense of a, a proper nature needs to be given to the survivors of these institutions. Um, and before anybody jumps onto the bandwagon, I'm not talking about myself here. Uh, you know, my, my abuse was a completely different thing. I'm talking about the survivors of the mother and baby homes. Um, I think that never, there will never be enough money um, to, 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 to pay them back for what was done. But it's, again, it's a start. It's, it's a token. It's, it's, and, and to be honest with you, we know that uh, illegal adoptions took place and children were to all intents and purposes sold. If you think about what, what went on in Magdalene laundries and in industrial schools, the, these individuals were effectively used as a kind of a slave labour. And again, recompense needs to be made there. And the final thing, and this is probably the most controversial thing that I'm going to say in relation to this, I believe that the Roman Catholic Church in Ireland needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. Um, I'm very open about the fact that I miss my faith. I grew up in a very religious household. I've chatted to you before about the fact that my mother yep. was a nun for 10 years. I grew up in a home where we went to Mass you know, every Sunday. My mother went every day. During the missions, we could go several times a day. We had prayers after dinner every evening. I grew up with Bible stories. I grew up with the ritual and the ceremony and the colour, and I loved it, and I miss it. I, I can't go in through the door of a church at the moment without feeling ill, um, so I don't do it. I, I've stepped away. I would love to be able to rediscover that part of my life that's missing. And until I see the church making some really substantive changes, um, 
I won't be able to do that. And the fact that there is such a crisis in vocations at the moment, should we really be surprised at that? When you've got an institution that has become synonymous with abuse and corruption, why would young people want to dedicate their lives to that? But I think if we saw some change occurring, maybe we might be able to see that. You know, and Roman Catholicism is such an important part of the Irish identity. Wouldn't it be yeah. wonderful to actually see us being able to to rebuild that again? No, I'm sorry. If and Shane, just no, no. I, I just want to. That, that's uh, how I feel. Yeah, no, I, and, and you're entitled to, to uh, give your opinion, and, and uh, it's a valued opinion, I know, as well. Just before, because we're going to have to leave this, I'm, I'm going to come back to you, I promise, another day to talk about your own sure, situation, course, yeah. because there's a whole story there uh, that actually took me aback when I read it last November uh, in the newspapers. So we'll come back to that another day. But just sure, before we sure. finish today, I want to ask you this. What do you mean by rebuild? I believe that the people who are in the hierarchy of the church at the moment, and I would argue not just in Ireland, but almost on a worldwide basis, need to take a step away. I would like to see the laity taking much, much more of a role. And I think that there are people out there, good people, who have been ashamed at what they've seen. And and, and some of them are clerics. I have had priests who've approached me over the years and talked about how appalled they were, but they felt that they couldn't speak out because they were afraid of the repercussions, what would happen to them in terms of their career. I would like to see an open conversation um, among people who care about these things and who care about the institution of the church, um, about how it can be rebuilt, how, how, how it can be found anew, if you like. And, and I think that, you know, that there have been conversations coming out of Rome, particularly around things like, um, you know, gay marriage and stuff like that, that actually show that maybe there is some hope But so much damage has been done to so many vulnerable people. There's been so much betrayal. There's been so many lies. There's been so much sheltering of, of, of badness that, you know, most, most people, if you think about the fact we're dealing with these beautiful old buildings, these huge churches that are largely empty on Sundays because people have turned away. Wouldn't it be wonderful to actually try and do something to bring people back by just saying, look, you know, it, it's all been wrong. Everything has been messed up. We made some serious mistakes. We want to sit down and look at how we can move forward in a way that is going to um, atone for that and, and also make people feel better about having this as, as their faith and as, as part of their identity. I, I, I don't think anyone. Any sense? No, no, it does. It does. It does. And I, I, I think it's, there's so much in you say that it, you couldn't argue the toss with it all. At times, uh, my sorrow is, and I'm a Christian myself, uh, yeah. for the good people and for the people who still retain a faith, and for the good people who, you know, have been dragged right down by all of this. And I, I think of them as well as they try to maintain their faith at this time. But look, Shane, you're wonderful. And I love to talk to you always. And I want to remind our Thank listeners you, again about this series, Stories from the Margins, the latest release is No Ceremony for the Dead. And you can download it. And there's a month free, audible.co.uk. Shane, I'll be back to you to talk to you about yourself in the near Thank future. You very much. Thank you, Shane. Thank talk you for joining you me. Take bye care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful... Shane Dunphy there.
if you have anything to say about what Shane has been just talking about, uh, get in touch with us on the show. Do give us a shout. 086-1800-658 is the WhatsApp or text number. Love to hear from you. Or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Back with you in a moment. I'm not sure where this is going to end, to be honest with you. See that story in the paper today that the BBC now, uh, before you watch repeats of the royal family. Remember Jim Royal and the family in the little house and... um one of the classic comedies, but the BBC now uh, is putting a discriminatory language warning before you'll actually watch the royal family now. And it's not just the royal family that's uh, being covered by this warning now. Uh, the likes of Faulty Towers, Aloha and Dad's Army are also coming under this as well. I know there were things said years ago that you couldn't say today and there were comedies that you couldn't broadcast today. But where does this begin or end? You know, honestly, I, I, I don't know how much of our history as well, will have to be expunged. But anyway, the BBC have taken this decision and uh, they're going to do it. So before you'll see any of those episodes or probably repeats of them on the satellite channels, there will be a warning that there could be something said in the programme that would be now uh, offensive. When they were made, it probably wasn't, but... um I don't know about that. Have you an opinion? What do you think about that? If you have, uh, let me know on the usual numbers. But uh, that's a story reported in today's newspapers. There's more about the post. Oh, my word. Letter sent from Navin Hospital on the 22nd uh, for an operation on the 5th of January. And it arrived on the 8th of January. So there was a, a letter sent from the hospital about an operation only arrived on the 8th. The operation was to happen on the 5th. But anyway, the operation was cancelled. They are, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, I know the operation is important to you, whoever you are. I understand that as well. But at the moment, all non-emergency is on the back burner because of the COVID situation. Now, keep the uh, messages coming to me on late lunch. I love to hear from you. Oh, I want to tell you something. I mentioned something to you before I go to our next uh, fantastic song. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Don't forget, I want to remind you that we have a feast of live commentaries from Saturday's Premier League game starting from half past 12 with the Wolves-West Brom game and continuing right through until the 8 o'clock match between Leicester and Southampton. And if you want to hear all the action, get onto the LMFM app or click on the Listen tab on LMFM.ie. So that's Premier League Live right here, right now this weekend with Now TV. Stream all the action from Sky Sports on the Now TV Sky Sports Pass. It's all there for you as well. So all the action you can hear it with us this weekend in the Premier League. I remember going to see them when they were top of the pops. They were number one after number one. Who am I talking about? And they played in Kildare and it was a sellout and I was there and it's many moons ago. I had hair and I had a little mini that I went there in a car that is. The police. Yes, they were the greatest at the time. And here it is to remind all you police fans of an age and new fans it's every little thing she does. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah. Form is temporary. Class is permanent. You've heard that before. That's that song. And the police. Yes. Henry Padovani. Andy Summers. Stuart Copeland. And Sting. The police. They were something else. They really were in their day. Wonderful song there. Every little thing she does is magic. Hello, Jerry. I sent two parcels to my sons in Australia on the 1st of December. One arrived on the 31st of December and the other on the 6th of January. I also sent two parcels to my daughters in the United States on the 4th of December. 
and they haven't arrived yet. Yes, the world is in chassis, there's no doubt. Post hanging about all over the place. The pandemic is part of it as well. And sure, look at what about the states and that thing in the capital last week. Anyway, he's been impeached, impeached for the second time, the Donald. He's made history all right. Oh, they'll nail him on this one. He'll never be able to run for office again. But I was just thinking impeached. Do you know what came into my head? Do you remember the film? Eat the peach. Do you remember it? Eat the peach. The wall of death and the motorbikes in the bog in Offaly. Remember that movie back in the 80s? Think about 86 as well. Yes, Donald will certainly have a peach stuck in his throat for the next while, that's for sure. Anyway, we'll move on on late lunch. We're heading to our next break on the show today. And afterwards, we're going to meet a young man from Ashbourne in County Mead who's designed a new range of clothing and he is helping out mental health charities. Stay with us. Hi, Jerry. I just want to highlight the ignorance uh, that's out there. I was at the doctor this morning with a pain in my side. So after dropping bloods to the hospital, myself and my 14-year-old daughter went to Aldi. My daughter said, ma'am, I'll go in and get the six items. So she did. And I gave her my card. But God love her. Uh, Instead of tapping, she put the card in and the number a few times and the card was actually blocked. So she rang me from the store. I went in and the girl on the till was absolutely lovely. But the man who was waiting behind her in the queue was so rude to her. He really was, Jerry. And my daughter was so upset. She's only 14, was doing her best. And I myself am a frontline worker. And we could or would never treat anybody in that fashion. I hope that man is listening. He was so rude. There is no need for that rudeness. Got to have patience. And I'd have to say that to myself at times because I like things done like that. Bang, bang, bang. At times I have to say, hold on a minute here and more than ever at this time, we need to have patience. I wish your daughter well and she was doing her best and uh, it's a little lesson as well, isn't it? That uh, all people aren't nice at all times and uh, I hope she's okay and thank you indeed for sending us that message and I say it, if that man is listening, please, please calm down and uh, what you did today was not right. Now we move on on the show and we're going to meet a young man from Ashbourne in County Mead and he's a founder of a new clothing company. It's called Huh. Yes, I said it. Huh. We're going to talk to him now and he's going to tell us where that word came from. I want to say hello to Mark Donnelly. Mark, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. You know, I was thinking of a song, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, uh, and that word, huh, I think is in that song there somewhere. Huh, I can remember it. What does H-U-H stand for? So, yeah, H-U-H stands for How's Your Head? And we're a new Irish mental health clothing startup raising money and awareness for mental health throughout Ireland and, to be honest with you, just throughout the whole world. Now, you've come up with this name yourself and you've focused on mental health. Where did this come from or begin or where did you get the idea to incorporate this into a clothing range? And we'll talk about it in a moment. Help the charities involved. Yeah, of course. So the kind of idea sparked maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, it was kind of an accumulation of things over the years, playing on GA teams, football, hurling, and seeing kind of, of course, like I'm playing on teams that young males who are kind of afraid to speak out or maybe just don't feel like they can open up. It's a very kind of masculine, aggression-filled kind of arena, the GA. And then, of course, on top of that, I worked in kind of the bar and nightlife industry here in Ireland, and then I went abroad to the US and I did something similar for an Irish whiskey company. So I've just seen a lot of kind of situations in terms of the bar life where it's long hours, late nights, 
alcohol-fueled and it just catches up on people and they're too afraid to kind of speak out and reach out and it's just uncomfortable for some people. And that's kind of where the idea sparked and just from some experiences. And then the H-U-H thing came about because I wanted a kind of short and sweet design that would look good on a piece of clothing, but also it would pose the question because the minute I wore a H-U-H hoodie, people were like, what does that mean? So they're like, huh? Kind of like the question I want to get asked. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, clever, so, clever. Very clever, I have to say. Because if I saw you in that, that's the first thing I do and say, come here, what's that all about? And, and that's the reaction you want. Exactly, because next thing you know, you ask me, what does her mean? I mentioned it means how your head, it's for mental health. And there's a casual conversation without any effort whatsoever about mental health. So whether that resonates with the person a day later, a week later, a month later, maybe they think, well, that's really cool. Well, if normal Mark from Ashburn County Mead is kind of advocating for this and talking about it, it must be okay for me to do so too. Mm. Here's the thing as well, you know, going back to what you said there, the GAA mentioned, of course, and the masculinity that runs through a lot of sports, rugby, GAA, soccer, of course. Um, But come back to the bar staff, because there are a group of people that, you know, are taken for granted and are suffering big time in the current pandemic because there just is no work. They're out of work. But, you know, when they're at work, I was just thinking about this. You know, the way people come in on their own to a bar, you know what I'm talking about? And they talk to the bar person, the man or the woman, the boy or the girl, yeah. whoever is there, they have a chat with them and they sometimes offload their, you know, worries and concerns, what's happening in their lives to them. So they're like a sponge, the bar people taking in all this. Have you found that, you know, there's nowhere, nowhere for that sponge, that person to go, that they can, you know, relieve themselves of all this? Big time. And I think bar staff might feel isolated too because they're there to nearly like obviously serve the customer, but in some cases entertain because if you have one or two people coming into your bar, you're there to like listen to them. And there's no kind of, the bartender or the barman or woman is not going to kind of offload their problems onto someone else is how they might feel. Um, and then kind of leading back to my time in the States where I was repping for a whiskey company, I saw a lot of bartenders out there too with just long hours, late nights, alcohol fueled. It just all builds up. And if there's no kind of like rest and kind of, no one to reach out to too, along with all this kind of hard work and kind of fun. It just all builds up and bottles up. And I just felt there was no kind of avenue or no kind of, we can see in society, there's, there's a stigma surrounding mental health. And I just feel like they can't go anywhere. Yes. And you were working out there for a friend for a friend of ours because the company you're talking about is Tullamore Jew and Tim Herlihy. We know Tim well uh, from yeah. the Northeast here. We've interviewed him. He was in studio with us as well. Uh, Tim, I know, recruited you over there. So so we know where you're coming from. So you got the idea there. Did you implement it in the States? Because I know you were on an 18 month working visa there. Or did you wait till you come back to start producing this clothing? Yeah, so the idea, um, of course, came up while I was away in the States and the pandemic hit. So with the job I was in, there was not so much I could do working from home. So I kind of just worked yeah. on the idea and worked on the brand. And my younger brother, David, was at home and he did a lot of the groundwork here for when I got home. So once I hit the ground here, I kind of just ran with it and we got the we got up and running here with suppliers and kind of stuff like that. Um, and it really kind of took off from July onwards. Once I got home and it it exploded then from maybe September, October, the support from people around here has been absolutely insane. 
I'm not surprised because you have a lovely range. I was looking at them earlier on there. You have crew necks, T-shirts, hoodies. Uh, you have even face masks with the HUH on and lovely yeah. hats as well. So you have a nice range and there's great colours and all sizes as well. And the other thing you are committed to, aren't you? Uh, these uh, garments aren't coming from another part of the world. So we, we use other suppliers for almost everything. So from our packaging all the way to our hoodies, there's some materials that do come from the UK, but um, for 99% of our stuff, it's all Irish and all we are like as sustainable as possible in terms of our bags are 100% recyclable, our stickers, our clothing, everything has to be sustainable too, which is just kind of a, it's something that I, uh, I hold in high regard and I just think it's something that everyone should be doing to kind of, not only are we raising money for mental health and awareness, um, and charities around the country, but also to kind of shift away from fast fashion. Mm. Which is uh, the way we need to go in this world with the future of this planet uh, in the balance at the moment. Now, here's the thing. You've already donated €10,000 to mental health charities and you donate 10% from every sale. That goes into that kitty there. But this is a genuine donation because you know where people say they support charities at times? And look, most people do, but at times what charities get is little on the small side when it comes to the actual uh, euros. But 10000 is a lot of money. Yeah, so one thing I've built it on is transparency and honesty. So for me personally, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it and I'm also going to show it. So for anyone out there listening, we say we donate 10% of all of our sales are, are to charities and I post them all on social media. So there's no hiding. There's no saying, okay, we're going to give 10%, but only give 2% or 3%. It's 10 no matter what. And... It's across the board in terms of what charities. So, for example, we kind of look at like the geographical location of the customer. So, we've gone all across the board from PA to House to the Cork Mental Health Foundation up north in Kilkenny, Carlow, the works. And we've also donated to some in the States for customers who are purchasing from Wisconsin and Chicago and New York and stuff like that, too. So you are cognizant of where these donations come from and you try to direct money back to the particular charities or organisations in that area. Another little touch, how are you going to keep this going? I believe you handwrite a response to every customer and listen to this, there's a little pack of Haribo. Is that right? That goes out with every order? Yes, it is. Yeah, I like the personal touch. I kind of... We put in a little bag of Haribo and I write a personal thank you note to every single customer just because I want to add to the experience. So when someone opens the package, it's not just the hoodie, it's a handwritten thank you note from the founder and also just a little bag of sweets to make their day. So just the kind of smaller details I like to kind of focus on too. And at this moment in time, most people in the world, like myself, are at home. Um, is this experience? You know, can, is it expandable? Do you see yourself operating from where you are? Are you going to, like, ever look at a premise? Do you need a premises? You know what I'm getting at. Where, where does this go? Of course. So I'm sure my parents are listening while I'm operating <laughs> out of the box room in the house here. And Good man. There's just boxes and boxes everywhere of hoodies, T-shirts, crew neck. So I definitely like to get an office space. And hopefully in the near future that becomes a reality because we're going into kind of a gym gear at leisure wear range and um, just for kind of running, jogging, going to the gym. 
Um, and it ties quite well in with the mental health side of things, just looking after your physical health ties in really well with your mental well-being. Um, mm. So in the near future, hopefully we can get an office space and just continue to grow and continue to do what we're doing. You're obviously passionate. Besides, you have a very good business idea here, I have to say, and I love it, H-U-H. It does get you and you wonder and you question and you introduce the conversation. Is that it? Because we hear it all the time and I've heard it for years on this show. Talk. We need to talk. We need to talk about mental health. Everybody does. That is what you're getting at that and then that it opens up the conversation if people have to be brought in to assist or whatever. That's the nub of this. Yeah. Without a doubt. But see, the thing is, especially with the hoodies, and I know a lot of people might say we need to talk or we have to normalize it, but it's, we have to actually start acting on it now. So, for example, yeah. we chose a hoodie because it's kind of a casual, comforting piece of clothing, number one. So if you're lounging around your house or just running up and down the village, you'll probably throw in a hoodie. Secondly, as I mentioned, the H2H, it will spark the conversation. What does that mean? And then thirdly, the, the idea of to get the message out there is to kind of check in with yourself, check in with your friends, check in with your family. And if people in your life or in your relationships see that you're now an advocate for mental health, they might feel that bit more comfortable to reach out to you if you're supporting this mental health awareness brand. But one of the main things I like to hammer home on is if someone in your life is suffering with their mental health, you're not there to help them make huge life decisions because you're not trained to do so. You might be qualified. One of the most important things to do is to listen. That's what people need, just to get it off their chest and just have someone that they can confide in, that they trust, and that will listen to them. Yes, talking and listening is a, a huge aspect of it as well to listen to people and pick out you know hear hear what's been said or pick up what 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 is going on there that is so important so talking and listening both of them combined uh, I say to you again, you're onto something special here. You're doing a great job supporting the charities as well, raising awareness. Now, the final question, where can people see her clothing and tell us where they go or if they want to order? Yeah, of course. So it's hhclothing.com. Um, and then we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I do a lot. So hhclothing.com and then all the social media platforms. All the best ideas and best businesses start in the box bedrooms. You know that? <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. Be assured. You're, you're on the right track already. You're well on the right track, let I say, dare I say. Congratulations to you, Mark. And we wish you well going forward. We'll keep a good eye on you to see how you're going. And uh, the world's your oyster, as they say with this one. Yes, it is really, really special. Congratulations again. And I wish you well. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. That's Mark Donnelly there. Fine young man from Ashbourne in County Mead with a wonderful idea. Check it out. They have lovely stuff. They really do. H-U-H clothing. And all the information is there online and on Facebook. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. When I come back after the break, Late Lunch? Yeah, well, if you're thinking about your lunch, what's on the menu? Worms is on the menu. Stay with us. Yes, I have another Bowie song for you coming up after three and we'll be talking all about 
barn owls all oh, the beautiful yes in wildlife matters that's coming up in the final half hour of the show just to heard simon there on business brief talking uh, about alvin hunt from hexafly in county meath of course we met alvin when he was starting out in his business he was became young entrepreneur of the year in the county went to the national finals won a big award there and today it's been announced that mealworms yes mealworms have been given the thumbs up uh, by the eu to be eaten by humans, become part of our plate. Mealworms, you know them yellow fellas, dried yellow mealworms. They're full of protein. You can have them in powdered form or uh, as a snack and mix them in with your spaghetti and rice. (laughs) Would you fancy the mealworm? Sure, I'd give it a go. I'd try anything. You know me when it comes to grub. Yes, we must get a hold of Alvin shortly and have a chat with him about the mealworms. Anyway, news, sport and weather on the way. But before all that, it's James Arthur and say, (laughs) Sinead, I'm sorry, Sinead. Jerry, will you stop mealworms? I'm retching here. (laughs) And Colette, you're right. I'm the only one who'd give them a go in this house. No good talking about anybody else that wouldn't touch them. But Colette, I'd give them a go. Will you share a plate with me? We'll rustle them up for the pair of us. Anyway, I'll give you a shout about that later. Um, another one there coming into us today. Jerry, did you know you were talking about the, the police there and you played this song earlier in the show um, that Sting's first wife, Frances, lived in Blackrock. Thank you indeed for that. I believe she did. Thanks for that little uh, ditty there. Another one, uh, Jerry, are ice cream vans allowed sell at the moment? Now, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Are they essential? There's one on our street at the moment selling away. Ice cream vans, do they come under? Are they outside the regulations? Anyone help me there on that one? I'm not sure I can't answer you that, but there you are. I haven't heard the bells chiming around here lately, and they were always around here, spring, summer, autumn, winter, but I haven't heard them in our neck of the woods this past while. Anyway, if you can help us on that, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Time to hear from our featured artist of the week on Late Lunch, and this week it is David Bowie. Did you ever notice about Bowie, if you, if you look at him, I look at a picture of him, that his eyes, they look different. You know, one looked different from the other, you know, because I'll tell you why he was, what happened, exactly what happened, why they looked differently. He wasn't born like that. Um, You see, one was dilated permanently. So the right one looked as if it was blue, his left one dark green. It's a thing called anascoria is the condition where pupils are of different sizes. And he had pupils of different sizes. But what happened was... He was in a fist fight with one of his best friends, George Underwood, in the 60s over a girl. And George punched him in the left eye. He spent four months in hospital, Bowie, and he had multiple operations. Um, And that's why those eyes looked different. And believe it or not, himself and George remained friends. They played together and George designed some of the covers from for his early album. So they are, didn't destroy their friendship. And the other thing about Bowie's health, he had his first heart attack on stage in 2004 during a reality tour, it was called. It was on the 25th of June in Germany, the Hurricane Festival. He finished out the set even though he was suffering a heart attack and was rushed by ambulance to hospital. The tour was cancelled and he never toured again after that first belt with the heart back in 2004. So a little couple of things about Bowie's eyes and his health. And today, my song, well, it's from the album Hunky Dory. Wasn't one of his biggest 
chart hits in terms of singles, but it remains one of his most loved songs. And yes, one thing is certain, he was so right. Changes, changes, changes in life for all of us. David Bowie. And changes on late lunch this afternoon. It's a great song. It really is. And that's the truest thing ever. If I've learned one thing from this existence that I've had on this little globe spinning round in the middle of who knows what, it is that everything changes. Nothing stays the same. And we've all been taught that. That's the big lesson this last time since late March of last year. We've changed and we've had to change. And... uh, It'll change again, for sure. That is the certainty. And it'll change for the better with the vaccine. It will indeed. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon. You know we love our wildlife. And today, I'm particularly looking forward to meeting and talking to my next guest. She's a wildlife biologist, and she knows all about the barn owl. Susan O'Donoghue who's with us next. In conjunction with our good friends in Birdwatch Ireland and illustrated by Robert Vaughan, there's a beautiful new book written by wildlife biologist Susan O'Donoghue. It's called Golden Wings, a tale about the Irish barn owl. And I'm delighted to say Susan is joining me on the show this afternoon. Hello, Susan. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. We are wildlife mad on this show, I have to tell you, and the owl. Here's the thing I wanted to say to you to start off, and I had to remind myself of this, and listeners may not realise that, there are only three species of owl in Ireland. Yeah, there's only three species that breed in Ireland, the barn owl, which is the only white-faced one, and then the long-eared and the short-eared owl also breed here, but short-eared owl numbers are very, very uh, small, but the long-eared would probably be the most commonest breeding owl here. Now, the barn owl, why in mm-hmm. particular did you get interested in this guy? Or where does that come from? <laughs> well, I was always intrigued with barn owls. Well, especially, um, I think it was about 10 or 12 years ago, I went back to college. I was a teacher and I wanted to learn more about ecology. And while I was studying, I was looking at a nest camera of a barn owl and learning more about their breeding behaviour. So I was watching this like people would have the TV on in the background. That was in my room. I was watching it for hours and hours, learning more and more. I finished college and then I went to America to work as a wildlife biologist and studied loads of different owls over there and would have um, done a lot of survey work over there. I came back to Ireland then and Birdwatch Ireland contacted me to um, work with education, in particular raptor education. So that's where I really started learning a lot about barn owls. They allowed me to come out and volunteer with them and um, I had a background in biology so I kind of already had a good understanding and I started visiting schools in Kerry and and, uh, awfully in places where the stronghold of the barn owl population is in Ireland and it it just grew from there. I'm still monitoring quite a few nests for them um, in Clare where I live to this day and just to make sure that um, the nests are protected and that everything's going okay in those areas and do you know, the other day, well, it was actually last summer, we had one nest we didn't even know about. We only found out about in June because um, the farmer came to us, didn't know, and the chimney, he was knocking, doing a bit of work on an old abandoned uh, farmhouse, and he knocked the chimney, not knowing that there was owls in there. So th- those kind of things, then we ran over there and we um, we rescued the owls and we uh, put up a little area, like a nest box shape structure for them and things like that and still involved on a daily basis but it all started from just amateur interest really 
Ah, it's a great story. It really is. Now, you mentioned that farmer and the chimney, barn owls, the amount of barns that are in the country. Should they've been disappearing by the new time over the years? Habitat wise, Mm -hmm. is there enough Mm -hmm. to sustain a decent population still here? Well, they have declined. I know in the last bird um, atlas, it showed a decline of almost 40% in the last 40 years. So the main reason for that is just we're changing how we farm the land and there's less kind of prey-rich, um, ungrazed, um, unmanaged, like less inten- intensively. Um, so pasture that's not really grazed and interfered with. So they wouldn't really go near, for example, a silage field. They like in around hedges and ditches and margins of uh, fields and also the grassy mm. verges near motorways, unfortunately. Um, so there's, yeah, so, I suppose those so areas land, are few and far between. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So land that is really not farm, that is allowed to go a bit wild, they like mm-hmm. areas like that. So it's not just to do with having barns for them to nest in, it's to do with the whole landscape as well. Do they need a barn? You mentioned the chimney there. Will they met, Will they mm. nest in trees, in hollowed out trees as well? Oh yes, yeah. Well, they're a cavity nester, so um, any yeah. hole that's in a safe place, like an old oak tree, for example, ash, and they'll also nest in um, holes in ruined and deserted buildings like some of some of the places I visited are so beautiful like and and magical especially at night time you can go to an old castle or an old church or um an old mansion that's been abandoned for years and then you hear these eerie screech screeches coming out it's really really something what do they mainly feed on i've i've it in my mind i'm sure listeners mm-hmm. have as well mice mice they love mice yes they do they love mice wood mouse and they also love um, rats and um, they'll take bankfuls, a species introduced to Ireland accidentally back in the t- 1920s, and they'll take pygmy shrews and the greater white-toothed shrew, which has come from the continent as recent as 2008, it was discovered here. So a lovely mm. small little mammal uh, selection for them in Ireland, and also they'll also take frogs and birds. You find them in the barn owl pellets as well, that they regurgitate the remains of the, the undigested remains of them. And how many eggs would they lay? And is it just one clutch they rear a year? Well, that depends on how productive, how good the season is. So if it's a good small mammal year and there's a lot of small mammals, they could possibly lay a second clutch. But it's more typical in Ireland to have just one one clutch. And they usually lay between four and six eggs. They might not all make it, but usually... yeah. That's how many eggs And you will, you will see them primarily. They are a nocturnal creature. You'll rarely see them during the day, or am I off the mark there? No, I mean, if you're in the UK, you might see them more of a chance uh, late in the afternoon with a bit more light. But in Ireland, because they, they really feed on nocturnal animals, uh, um, they're really only out once it's dark. So once, once it starts to get really dark, they'll leave their roost and they'll start quartering over the fields in this low, beautiful majestic flight, very uh, broad wings and um, just almost ghost-like in colour, very, very white underparts and just beautiful gliding flight. And um, yeah, so they'll, they'll stay out um, and they'll go then, they'll go back to roost before first flight. So it's very, very difficult to get a glimpse of one, really. 
I've been lucky in my lifetime to see them on a number of occasions and they are majestic. They really are. Now, they're on to me already in late lunch land listening to you today. And I want to get this out quickly before we finish. Mm -hmm. Golden Wings, a tale about an Irish barn owl. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. The illustrations are gorgeous. How do people get it? So let me just first say Robert Fawn is the wildlife illustrator and Sarah Sertoli yeah. was the graphic designer. They did excellent work okay. on this. Um, they can get it from going to the Birdwatch Ireland website and going into the news section or even simpler Google Golden Wings Birdwatch Ireland. You can get it that way as well. Um, it's free you to can... read but not download. Okay. So it's an so online can... book. Yeah. Yeah, you can read it online, but if you'd yeah. like it or like a download, there is a cost involved. And that's understandable as well. I have to well, say actually, it's beautiful. We're not at the, sorry to interrupt you there, but we're not um, printing copies. We're hoping to yes. in the future and to provide them free to schools. But as it stands, we're not selling it or anything like that. It's just free okay. for all, yeah, online. Okay, so it is free, free, free. There you are. That's an offer today yeah. on Late Lunch. You don't have to pay for it at all. You can read it online, access it online. But I'll have a bet with you today, and I'm not really a betting man. This will be published one day because it is so beautiful, and I hope it is published and it goes to as many schools as possible around the country. You've done thank a wonderful much. job, I have to say. Congratulations on it, and thank you for your time today. I appreciate you joining okay, me on the thanks, show. Okay, thanks, Jerry. Okay, take care. Take thanks, care, bye. yourself. Bye-bye, bye-bye, take care. That's Susan O'Donoghue there. It's beautiful. Golden Wings, a tale about an Irish barn owl. Birdwatch Ireland, into the news section, and you can pick it up there. Just got a message from a listener to say, yes, ice cream vans can operate under the government guidelines, Jerry. Uh, thank you indeed for uh, getting that one to me. And yes, of course, I've just told you there where you can download the book. Anyway, that's our lot on Late Lunch for this Thursday afternoon. I think I'll get out for a bit of air myself now when the show is finished. But just to let you know, coming up tomorrow, and late lunch, Veganuary. Yes, it's a month when a lot of people are eating more vegetables than ever, maybe leaving out the the, the meat a little bit during the week. Well, anyway, Tara Walker's with us to uh, talk about some simple recipes to incorporate more veg into your diet. Uh, we'll also be joined by Gary Little, the estate agent, to talk about buying and selling in a pandemic. And Leon Blanche is back with a look ahead to the weekend sport and more besides on the show tomorrow. Eddie Caffey's coming next with The Drive. Wonderful music. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. I'll be back with the final show of the week tomorrow, Friday. Take care of yourselves. Be back tomorrow, 1.30. The See you then. Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.